Hey, good evening, everybody. Thanks for joining us. Sorry we're a few minutes late. We just wanted to make sure everything was set up right so that we could have the best conversation possible. Um, we're thankful to be here with you guys tonight and uh, talk through some important things. Yeah, this is obviously a discussion that um, that so many people right now are, are having uh, across our country. Um, you're, I mean, you're on Facebook now watching this, so... Um, You've probably been on Facebook. You've seen um, the many different conversations that are happening on different Facebook feeds, different discussions and dialogues. And so we we just felt it really necessary to to do something and to have this conversation. So we this is going to be the first of three of these we're going to do. So for tonight and then the next two Wednesdays, uh, we'll be together, and um, each night's going to take a a bit of a different angle. Tonight we're gonna try and do kind of some introduction to the issue a little bit, try and cover as many as many points that make sense kind of in the first 90 minutes uh, that we can. So the format for the night is uh, we're gonna talk through some things. In the midst of that, uh, we would love if there's comments and questions because, and I know we can just say this, but we truly mean this. We, we want this to be a conversation. Uh, we don't just want it to be Anthony and I uh, just talking to one another. And so we would highly encourage you to, uh, to write down questions or comments, thoughts as we go through it so that we can have interaction. Um, and then there'll even be a specific time that we'll probably address some real Q&A. Or we might even just do it as we go. It's not fully fleshed out. Um, but that'll be for probably for the first 90 minutes. And then... Probably for the last 30, uh, we want to just be together to, uh, to pray. And so um, if you even post it now, because you can't go to this, but um, around 8.30ish, or 7.30ish rather, we're just going to move over to a Zoom room and, uh, and just have some time of prayer. Yeah. And so um, <clears throat> if you are the praying type and uh, just feel that same need we do to pray, and to be together in that, uh, about 7.30, we'll move over to the Zoom room and pray together. So the first, again, kind of 90 minutes, we're going to work through a handful of things. And again, if you're just joining in, just to reiterate, this is the first of three conversations we'll have uh, over the next few weeks as we kind of engage this issue. So again, this is meant to be a conversation starter. Uh, we realize that uh, even in three sessions, that that's not nearly enough time to really delve into this stuff. Uh, we really want this to be something, hey, this starts conversation you continue to have both with, with Anthony and I and other guests that will have join us over the next couple weeks um, and then with one another. So uh, this is probably a 100-hour conversation at minimum. We're going to give it probably about six over the next few weeks. And so that's, that's really what this is. Um, a tenor, if possible as we go through it, would be to think through the lens of grace. And that's with, hopefully with us, we'll appreciate some of that. Certainly with one another in the comments, uh, please don't turn this into uh, kind of this opportunity to fight on, on this, this feed. And we understand the realities of the emotion that, that comes with this, the passion that comes with this, that we think are in many ways very God-given. And so we understand that, but we do want to create this forum for... Uh, for healthy conversation, for loving dialogue, and, and that and the other. So that, that's kind of yeah. by way of intro. So anything else you'd say just kind of off the bat here? Yeah, I mean, I think there's a few ways we need to prepare our hearts right now too. Uh, 
uh, I mean, one of the biggest ways is just humility for all of us. You know, I think I think that it feels like a lot of times in this conversation, a lot of people come into it already having made up their mind and that's true. Not open to change and. Uh, if we do change, it's very slowly, and it's and it's and that's just the nature of humans, you know. Yeah. But for the church, we have the Spirit of God in us. That's right. Um, so we can change quickly. We can repent quickly, and um, so I, I would just say let's let's all pray for that Spirit as we're getting this conversation, ourselves included. I'm not just saying that as like I'm the pastor and I hold all truth. There's ways I need to be corrected and I need to approach this humbly. Yeah. Um, the second thing I would say is I think right away probably some people watching this are like, okay, why are these guys talking about it? You know, right. why right. why this white guy and, and why two non-black guys talking about all this stuff? And I personally would say a few things to this. Uh, one, uh, a lot of my black friends, they're kind of tired of having to have these conversations. They've yeah. even asked... Would you, as my white friend, be an ally in your circles and in your places and be able to talk through these things so that I don't have to just kind of keep rehashing this right. over and over again? And so right. uh, so that's one aspect of it. Yeah, and, and even, you know, so especially a lot of the black leaders within, you know, yeah. that we are very connected to, I mean, they've been every night been talking yeah. at different churches and different forums, you know, so it's even trying to love them and give them some space. That being said, uh, Pastor Wayne Winter will join us next week. He is a black man and um, someone we deeply, deeply love and respect. He will be with us next week. But yeah, just to, I totally yeah. agree with what you're saying. Yeah. I think too, not just that, but like I as a white person and a leader in an organization, I need to make known what I believe and think about these things. And so there's an aspect where it's important for me to speak and not just allow my uh, brothers and sisters in Christ to only tell me how to think, how to feel, how to engage yeah, in stuff. And so I think that's important. One thing, I, I, I just want to say this. I, I, I don't think you would say this. I'm going to say this. But Vince is a person of color. Like, <laughs> you know, and I think sometimes we've Caucasianed Vince a little bit. Like, I don't know if that's a way to say it. And he doesn't, I don't know if he really feels that or anything, but like Vince has pretty dark brown skin and gets mistaken for all sorts of yeah. ethnicities. Every brown race, yeah. <laughs> every brown ethnicity in the world. And so Vince has uh, a voice in this too that's, that is valid and can be heard from. It's not the same as the black perspective, absolutely. And even in, in light of all that, like I, I listen to Vince all the time talk to uh, black brothers and sisters in Christ about how he should be viewing these things and doing these things and talking about these things. And so I, I just, I wanna say that as your friend and just like, Vince is a person of color and we can listen to Vince and he has perspectives that are, are valid too. So That's I don't know kind. if you have anything to add to that. No, yeah, that is true. I mean, it is it is often funny. Like there's yeah. times where, where I've said something like, "Oh, you know, um, it's come up like, oh, Vince is a person yeah. of color or whatever," and and people have often said, "Well, I just think of you as white," which yeah. is an interesting like, and 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 everyone who said it has never meant it in a negative way. Yeah, yeah. But there is like some inherent weirdness behind that comment of like, yeah. "I've just thought of you like oh, another white person," you yeah. know? Which what does that really mean? And yeah, so, like why do we even say? Something yeah, like it's that? just an interesting comment, you know. And you, I mean, so, so people that don't know his background, 
you, you're half, oh, yeah, I'm Asian. Yeah, yeah. so I'm half Asian. So yeah. uh, that's what it is. But yes, you are half Caucasian as right. well. But what's funny is, is the race. Any of the racism I experience have generally. Um, like that's been kind of over, yeah. has been people thinking I was Hispanic or Latino, yeah. uh, even here in town as some native, and then oftentimes uh, Islam yeah. will come up, you know, yeah. or so Which things like that. Which is a religion, that. to that's clarify, a, that's a religion. A religion. Yeah. <laughs> um, when people find out I'm Asian, there's been moments where that's come up, and yeah. I've said some terms, you know, that yeah, I yeah. and stuff. But, you know, all that to say, I appreciate you saying that. I think the last, the last piece is we kind of think through why us, or why are we talking about this and taking the time, is we're pastors of a church. Yeah. And uh, primarily, the people we're speaking to would be Redemption Flagstaff. And, but we understand there's other people that might tune in tonight. And you're so welcome at the conversation, the table. Um, but yeah, so, so we'd agree with that. And, and, and not just because Anthony said it, but Anthony is, is also very learned in this. And, and I think contributes a ton of the conversation because of his upbringing, even as a white person in a, in a very multi-ethnic reality growing up. So all that to say, hopefully stuff we share tonight is somewhat helpful. Um, the importance for us having this conversation, I think for the church to have this conversation is, is I really believe this, everyone's looking for answers and if they're not able to find them in the church, they're gonna find them elsewhere. Yeah. Right? And I think that's a significant problem on multiple levels and multiple issues that, that you have questions, you have, oh, what about this? And it's not just about this issue, it's about all sorts of issues. And when the church is silent, when we're not, we're not telling people, well, this is, let's look at the scriptures, let's talk about people and humanity, the image of God, um, you're going to read articles and you're going to go talk to other sources and we're going to miss, we're going to miss Jesus, yeah. you know, and all that. So I think that that's a significant piece of, of why we wanted to in this direction. Last thing we'll say by way of intro is uh, we will, uh, I think in our third week, so again, this is one of three, on week three, we'll, we'll slant our focus a little bit towards some local issues of racism and zoom in on, uh, on caring for our native and indigenous brothers and sisters in the midst of the racism they experience. Um, and so if you're just kind of wondering, are we gonna talk about that? We will in depth and at length in a couple weeks. Uh, today, we'll probably have a greater focus upon our black neighbors. Yeah. And so just a, just a heads up on that yeah. as well. So um, a couple things we, we want to start off with when we start uh, kind of navigating this issue in our country is this, this is a national issue and it's been a national issue since the nation was founded. I mean, like this, yeah. this country having its roots in slavery, uh, none of that is surprising. Everyone knows these realities. I want to share a quote by a man named Jamar Tisby, He's a professor at Reformed Theological <laughs> Seminary. Uh, in his book, uh, The Color of Compromise, which will have a little resource, mo <laughs> resource moment at the end that will recommend some things. And this is a really great one, uh, The Color of Compromise. He says this, he says, the failure of many Christians in the South and across the nation to decisively oppose the racism in their families, communities, and even in their own churches provided fertile soil for the seeds of hatred to grow. The refusal to act in the midst of injustice is itself an act of injustice. Indifference to oppression perpetuates oppression. And so much, much has been said about right, Dr. King's words, you know, like kind of that, that kind of white moderate middle that was just so much more difficult for him because it was, I'm, they're not really for me or against me. And in that apathy, that's where Tisby is saying, well, no, hatred and, and the seeds of unrest and injustice grow from those places. And, and I think that's what we're experiencing. And I think it's so important for us to understand this is not just the right, and I don't think anyone actually thinks that, but just to really hit it hard, 
this is not just because of George Floyd. This is not right. just because of Ahmaud Arbery. This is not just because of Trayvon Martin and Amy Cooper and, and like all of these stories. It's, it's not just any one of those or even those as a bunch. It's, it's the hundreds of years of this being a reality in our nation that we have to bring in and understand that when we talk about it, there are people whose experience is looking back on 400 years of this. Yeah. And so how do we approach it from, I think, a really historical purview that allows us to have the conversation well? Yeah, I, before we keep going, can you speak to, like, I think a lot of times when we're in these conversations, it feels like there's kind of this narrative of, of people saying, hey, that's not what it's like today. That was yesterday. History right. doesn't affect us today. Uh, will you speak to that? I'll speak to it too. But what are yeah. some of your thoughts when people say that? I just say like we 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 are pretty pretty selective yeah. in how we like yeah. ascribe that. Yeah, I think especially and again this is directed to us as a church and so I'm going to use some churchy language yeah. if I could. But you know when we disciple people, we're intentionally trying to teach them, shape them, mold them, form them yeah. in the ways of Jesus. Like cool. that's that's our goal. We have to understand that for the first, and in, and in some ways still to this day, but for 400 years in our country, we intentionally shaped, molded, and for lack of a better term, discipled an entire race of people to believe they were inferior. Yeah. To think that we would come out on the other end in 50 years since the civil rights movement and say, okay, well now... We've done it. Like law, some laws have changed. Absolutely. Like that's not. There's no ignoring that some laws have changed, and and for good and just reasons. But again, when you when you tell anyone, like if I raise my boy, right, who's five, and I tell him, "This is who you are. This is who you are. This is who you are." You better believe that when he hits his twenties, thirties, and forties, and on. He's seeing a counselor, right? Like he's seeing a therapist. Like there's going to be realities to who. So again, yes, stuff has changed, but we cannot neglect that we, again, we formed an entire people here in our nation to believe a certain thing about themselves. Yeah. I just think that's important for us as as believers to get on the same page on. on. History certainly affects today. History from long periods of time ago affect who we are today, yeah. especially since... We are technically the same nation. We are technically, we have the same constitution. I don't yeah. know if there's been changes made and things, and laws have sure. changed, but we're technically the same. And so we share that, that history affects us too today. And it would be foolish. It would be really not logical to see how much history affects us today. And I'm not going to deny that it's right. different today than it was right. yesteryear or whatever, but it's, it's so important for us to acknowledge that and say, hey, history, I mean, there are things that my great grandma and grandpa did, I never have met, I never met any of my great grandparents mm -hmm. um, that affect how I was brought up today. Right. Like, and how I was brought up in the church and how I was presented God. And so if that's true for me, mm -hmm. it's true for many of us, it's true for our whole nation. And then also, especially true, uh, in regards to oppressive things that have, have done. And what we've seen, if you study psychology, trauma, sociology, yeah. trauma right. has a special sticking power yeah. with people, unfortunately so. Yeah. Um, so I think that's just something right off the bat, as you read that quote, and I thought that was a really good quote, I already know that some of our heart flinches go, well, you know, this is today, it's 2020, not... 
uh, right. whatever year. And, and we did it with with scripture. And yeah. I think like, and I think that's so important for the church, us as Christians to acknowledge is that, right? Like when when slavery was was rampant in our country. Um, you know, we we were still trying to do the like, but be Christian thing, right? So we yeah. they were slave trade was bringing our our black brothers and sisters again to this country, and then in order the Bible was used as, as a weapon, right? Yeah. It was used in such a way to to perpetuate submission and and this 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 chattel slavery, and yeah. so if if you can even go to the the Bible Museum. Uh, in DC right now, and you go and you see this the slave Bible, right? And you yeah. open it up, and you have to realize that that every part of that Bible that had anything to do with deliverance or freedom, the yeah. entire book of Exodus, where right the people of Israel yeah. are freed from their captors, that was taken out. Yeah. Uh, passages about submission to your master was emphasized, yeah. and they said, "Here, here's the word of God." Yeah. So, like we have to understand, it wasn't just like. Well, we, we came up with some cultural values. Like we were telling this is what God thinks of you. Yeah. And that, that's got to move us to this deep sense of repentance yeah. and, and, and fear. And, and, and in that moment of saying like, but I haven't done that. Like, yeah. Which you probably haven't, right? Yeah. But again, understanding the historical ramifications of we disciple the people into something yeah. to believe about themselves. And the last thing I'll say that just by re- really quick on that is uh, like Israel struggled with this same issue yeah. of their history informing their own race and ethnic problems in the early church. Yeah. Like Israel had this real sense of uh, nationalism and like we're Israel, yeah. we're the true people of God. And so then when the Gentiles start getting grafted in, we see it throughout Paul's letters in the yeah. book of Acts, like it doesn't go well, right? Yeah. Like the, the, the Jewish Christians are like, no, no, you have to do this and be this and add up all this stuff. Yeah. And so again, we see that it was so much of Israel's history was brought into what did it mean to be the church in the first century? Yeah. And we saw the ethnic, yeah. and you could see that, right, the New Testament is ripe with yeah. ethnic division. And so, Rand yeah. brings up a really good point, too, and I, I don't want it to hear uh, like we're saying just one side of it. We're just trying to, you know, try to hit things as we go. I mean, the reality is just as much as we've oppressed uh, a, a, a whole ethnicities. Uh, we've w- there are many white people that have been discipled into oh, good. being racist, yeah, into good, thinking they are uh, the, these white supremacist ideas, yeah. and you see that that has also passed on. And these are things that yeah. do need to right. change. Like Rand was saying, like, hey, not nearly enough has changed. Yeah, like I if you're agree. a white kid that's grown up right in the in the '60s and '70s, yeah. and you see a sign that says, you know, whites only, yeah. like what, that forms you. Like yeah. you you catch that as yeah. well. Then I must be more valuable. Yeah, you know. Yeah, something I hear a lot again, and not not to well, we too belabor the point because I think it's good for us to to have longer conversations here. You know, a lot of times people are going. Well, it's not today. We're not racist. I'm not racist. You're not racist, and all these kinds of things. Yeah. But this, I think, racism is a spectrum too, and there's a lot of research to show that. Right. A lot of even that's just how sin works. Uh, yeah. But yeah. Uh, besides that, that point. Let's say there's just someone overtly uh, racist. Like, 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 sorry. Let, let me run that back. So no, when we're saying, yeah. when we're saying, hey. There's people that there, there's no racist people anymore. That used to be once the laws passed, but it's right. like no, there still is. Like, oh, the yeah. KKK yeah. still exists. These yeah. pla- these things still exist. These groups still right. still still exist in in probably larger number than we think. 
and and especially because society uh, has played a factor in that and all those kind yeah, of things. So, absolutely. so I think that's something important to know too is like there are these those evil traits have also been passed down generation to, to generation. Mm -hmm. It just looks probably more secret and subversive a lot of times now. But yeah. also it doesn't. Sometimes yeah. it's just not. And no, you're so, right. So I mean that's and that's the thing, right? Is there is the individual reality to this still being still being real. Like yeah. that that's just still part of our worlds. And, and again, as Christians, that shouldn't shock us. Like we, yeah. we believe in sin. Like we, we believe in Satan. Yeah. We believe in evil. You know, like it shouldn't shock us. But there's also then on the other end of this, there's like would you, the term systemic racism, yeah. systemic oppression, and and there is a lot of I think confusion around what does that mean, yeah. right? Like what, what does it mean to experience that? What are we really talking about? You know, yeah. and so. I'll, I'll give you the fun task of break down systemic racism, you know, for yeah, us a little bit. I mean, yeah. I think systemic racism is simply the idea that uh, our first, that there are racist laws and ideas that were part of the founding of our nation. Right. There are racist laws and ideas that are part of the original constitution draft, you know, and even the amendments to uh, that constitution. Yeah. yeah. And so... If that's true, right. there are systems and infrastructures in place from the start of our country that not all of them still exist, right. but certainly a lot of them still exist and affect things to how things are today. And so it is this systemic, this system that comes down and affects things in different ways and laws in different ways and how easily certain laws are passed or what kinds of laws are passed or yeah. what kind of heart we have about certain laws or even how we view morality because of how our country has promoted certain laws throughout history. It, it causes all of these systemic things to happen. So that would be kind of the first brief definition I would give yeah. of uh, of a of the systemic. Now, the other problem with that is uh, throughout our history, we've had known and blatant racist people yeah. who have always thought less of uh, other ethnicities, yep. so white supremacist people right. that were given places of authority and places of power. power. Yeah. And so not, not only did the Constitution and a lot of those infrastructures get set up that way, but other people furthered the racism, furthered the systemic yeah. uh, racism, and, and, and did things subversively, I think, at times, and uh, also explicitly at times, yeah. obviously at times, that you can easily study and see throughout history. And so that would be, and not only that, that creates a cycle and a system where especially when cer like a certain type of person is given power. And when that happens, yeah. then that system is always going to reward a certain type of system. And so I think there are certainly places and systems that often either uh, like purposely or inadvertently, probably more often than not today, I'm, uh, I don't know. I, I'm not God. <laughs> uh, I hope inadvertently, I should yeah. say. Uh, give people that have white supremacist ideals or tendencies power and authority yeah and they keep perpetuating it so that would be kind of a brief general overview not to mention that there's all sorts of situations where it's just something that's kind of its own thing and it can operate and exist in certain ways you know yeah. like i mean uh i'm trying to think of uh, of say say i was racist i uh, like say i was a racist in our church okay Deal. I, i'm oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. uh that was a little too quick uh i 
I'm over redemption communities. I'm over mentoring. I'm over right. the youth. I'm over uh, interns. Yeah, I'm over all yeah. these things. Right, right, right. All of them now are affected by my racism. They're affected by the systemic racism that yeah. I have because I am over all of these systems and places. Right. And unless it's brought to your attention, right. that's not going to be dealt with or what. Like, so look at look at the. Unfortunately, the yeah. power of one person in a leadership role right. affects all these things. That's right. And so that's why people are saying systemic racism, because they're saying there are people in power who are racist and it affects the whole system. Right. It doesn't just affect their interactions with people one-on-one -on -one as individuals. No, they are in power. And so now it's, it is making this branch and web of yes. concurrent systemic situations. And here's the reality too. When people are in power in that way, they put more people empower like them that's it. in those places that's and right. that strengthens the systemic racism so if the history of our country is that then there 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 would certainly at least be remnants of that in our culture and i think there is probably more than remnants mm -hmm. uh, in our culture so that's i don't know no i think yeah. that's so good i mean that just that idea to build off of that of like so if, if anthony and, and to clarify if you tuned in as anthony was saying that he was racist. He's saying if he was racist uh, and then yeah, started to employ racist. that. Well, I have racist And we have implicit racist bias. Yeah. yeah, so we'll get into that. Yes. Yeah, so, uh, um, but in that sense, like if, if in that overt way where yeah. Anthony was um, then in his position saying, okay, well, only white people are going to be RC leaders. Yeah. You know, like we, we only trust white people to do that. And, 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 and it again, might not be noticed, right. especially in as white a city as Flagstaff. Oh, yeah. yeah. Right. right. And there you go. Yeah. yeah. And so um, there's there's lots of, of ways to be able to like to, to massage that. Yeah. Right. To, to make it somewhat more hidden is, yeah. is what you're saying. So I, I absolutely agree with that. Um, and, and so hear me. There, there's some things that are very overt that are known. I think people can track with that stuff. And but we get into some of the laws and we don't have time to go through all of them. But just to like highlight one right would, would be this idea of redlining. If, yeah. if you're not familiar with, with redlining, essentially it was uh, the term given to, uh, to to folks that they would take literally a red marker and they would draw lines around various parts of the city yeah. and then certain services would be restricted in those places. Uh, primarily the first of which was, uh, was like loans, right? And banks would not give loans to people that were in certain like red line districts yeah. of the city where predominantly minority communities existed. And so if you were a black man that wanted to, or woman, right, that wanted to go get a home loan, that wanted to get any type of large loan, that I mean, honestly, like, you were gonna go there. There, there was, there's studies, and even today, it, there's still yeah. uh, studies that will prove that this is still happening. But, but when redlining was at its peak, even, and this is like the 80s, right? Yeah. Like this stuff is still going on. Um, you're having, the study showed that you were more likely to receive a bank loan as a poor, uh, jobless white person than you were as a middle or upper, upper class black person, right? And so mm -hmm. you have to say, okay, so these things were, were written into the laws of the yeah. cities of our country. And again, they have continued impact. One of the byproducts of that is then we also then established that the way that communities get funded is through property taxes. And so hear me, if you're funding it through property taxes and we've redlined it so that there's certain parts of the neighborhood that are resourced and doing well, and there's certain parts of the neighborhood that are uh, not resourced and not doing well, Certainly, then property value, property taxes in the more 
more affluent areas will provide more tax money to be reinvested into the community. And so that's why you see these, these ghettos and these places where no, education suffers, services suffer, transportation suffers, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And this is traced back to laws that were written 40 years ago, yeah. 50 years ago. And so th this type of stuff, again, continues to seep into today's and, reality. And Trish, I'm going to be honest with you. If you really study that stuff, just that one issue, you will see not only the systemic problems with it, but you'll see the oppressive ways of it, and you'll see how hard it is to get out of those situations. Um, well, I, I want to speak to what Jeff is saying. Jeff McCarroll, our friend, he said, we all hold racism in our hearts. It's how much we are willing to be self-aware and deal with it. Yeah, I think that's true. Even as you were saying, like, just to clarify, like, if Anthony was a racist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There, there is, like, and that's kind of what we were referencing earlier. Like, there is this spectrum of racism. And I, I do think right. uh, what's, I think, sometimes surprising people sometimes would be like, well, then are you racist, Anthony? I'm like, I actually, yeah, I think so. Yeah, out there, like, yeah. I think I am right. sometimes. Right. I don't want to be. I don't purposely try to be that I, I'm aware of, but I have biases and things in my heart and things that I've been taught that, unfortunately like caused me to be it's the yeah. it's the problem of sin and i'm thankful for god's sanctification yes. in that but and, and again all of this should not surprise especially the christian yeah be, because again we we believe that power corrupts because yeah. the bible tells us that power corrupts we've seen the narrative of the scriptures that that just talk about over and over and over and we've seen what happened i mean david the man after god's own yeah. heart is doing amazing he gets power now he's murdering people you know what i mean so power has this way of just truly gripping us and and really just messing with us and so it shouldn't it shouldn't surprise us that our history is filled with that power dynamic that still in significant ways remains today because still to this day the majority of people in positions of significant influence yeah. and power are from majority culture. And yeah. so if we believe in sin, church, like if we believe in the power of Satan and evil to corrupt in power, gosh, like the, again, it shouldn't, it shouldn't be this no way, like, oh, probably, yeah. like probably there's racism because this is the proclivity of, of a wretched heart. But. Yeah, and he brings up great points of just two and we I, I just want to read what she says i don't know there's even too much to add to what she says but she goes and when you think about how so much of white wealth comes from property ownership and is passed down through that then it just makes you realize the greater disparity that continues to grow of wealth between white people and people of color yeah, yeah. The, the stat right now the most recent stat i saw is if for every oh man i I'll probably mess this up, but I think it's for every $100 that is possessed by the majority culture of, of whites here in America, the black community has, I think it's, I literally think it's like $4.70. Like it's, wow. it's that significant of a yeah. discrepancy, which, which again, like that's... That. And even when you study the history of yeah. that, there were moments where in our history we tried to correct that. And then some people came in and tried to stop those things and, and have made it worse. So um, thanks for sharing that, Kaylee. Yeah. Um, the Color of Law. I've read uh, just reviews from friends about that, and I've also heard really good things yeah. um, that I'd, I'd agree with. So, so what, what we're saying is we do think racism exists still today. There's individual racism, certainly, in all sorts of ways across the spectrum, and even in explicit 
evil ways yeah. and even less explicit uh, undetected ways and then we also do believe in systemic racism which uh, I think is biblical to believe that there are systemic issues and problems throughout a society throughout history that affect other generations uh, the, the book of Judges if you really study that at length you'll realize that is a great uh, tell in that really Moses' speech in Deuteronomy and then all the way through to Judges teaches us that too. I mean, the book of Exodus is God's deliverance of a people underneath yeah. the experience of systemic injustice. Yeah, you know, yeah. I mean, so like this is, it is the story of humanity. Yeah. Like we are a corrupt people in need of a savior. But um, okay, so uh, one of the lines in the midst of that, that, well, actually let's, let's move into this. I want to move in this next question because mm -hmm. um, we're what, 36 minutes into this. Um, we want to be a people of, as Christians, right? We want to be a people of the scriptures. We want to be a people that are saying, okay, no, but we want to bring this back to Jesus, to God's word. Yeah. And, because, and, and because I think Jesus and God's word are the most pro-human people, yeah. like documents and person ever to exist. Yeah. So if, if you sat down with someone and they just said like, hey, show me where the Bible supports what we're talking about tonight, yeah. where would you take them? Yeah, I mean, I would start Genesis, obviously. Um, if the image of God is on everyone, there you go. <laughs> like, you know, like everybody has the Period. image. Yeah, yeah like yeah. You, everybody has the image of God yeah. on there. There's no clarifications. There is distinction between male and female, but and that's another conversation. But they're both known as the image of God. They're yeah. both uh, equal in dignity and worth and value. And so... Uh, so yeah, I would start there. I would say, hey, the image of God is on all of God's creation throughout the narrative of Scripture. That idea is called back to time and time and time yeah, again. That's right. So uh, so yeah, I would say this idea of the image of God is probably where I would take them to say racism shouldn't be in the heart of anyone because every single person has the image of God on them. And although we're all broken because of sin, that does not take away from our dignity, worth, and value in God's eyes. Yeah, absolutely. So, so I mean, and that's it. Just the entire narrative of Scripture. Like, if, if you are a Christian, we should be reading the Scriptures. And I'm going to tell you, from Genesis to Revelation, it is a story of God constantly calling out injustice. Yeah. Amongst His people, very often, right? Yeah. Like amongst Israel, and then amongst the early church of this this is not this is not right. Um, th there's tons of passages. Uh, the parable of the Good Samaritan from Luke chapter 10, classic passage, where you see the religious elite pass by the man who's beaten on the side of the road, yeah. uh, and and then they you know they walk past him, and then who cares for this person but the Samaritan, this yeah. this kind of outcast, this person who had no business doing the right thing. Well, there does. was, if you study it, yeah. there was extreme prejudice against Samaritans by the Jewish people. Massive. So it yeah. wasn't even just a scenario where like. Oh, there was, they just never got along. It was, they saw Samaritans as half-breed people. That's like the kind of wording that they would use. Right. If you study the Jewish writers at the times, the Jewish historians, or even the non-Jewish historians about how Jews thought about the Samaritans. And it was like, they are this half-breed of people that aren't quite Jewish, and they're just, yeah. they're less than us. Right. And Jesus says, that person is the one 
that loves the neighbor yeah. correctly. Exactly. Well. It's such a powerful and beautiful story. Um, and the, but you just have that picture because right at the start of that parable, yeah. it's it's the it's the Jewish priest who says, and it says, seeking to justify himself. And then Jesus tells the parable. He asks the question, yeah. well, who is my neighbor? And yeah. Jesus gives the parable of the Good Samaritan. And so uh, we constantly, and I think it goes back to what you said in the beginning, there is this nature within us that wants to justify our position. And that's what, that's what the priest was doing with Jesus. It was like, hey, can I wiggle my way out of being responsible for this? Can I find an out? And Jesus is like, no, you can't find yeah. an out, right? Yeah. Like your neighbor is the one laying on the on the ground, right? Yeah. And also the one that's going to care for him is one you look down on, yeah. you know? And so it's this constant move, I think, in the scriptures to point us to this to this reality. Yeah. So um, next, yeah, I, I, kind of the next places I would go if I was going to say why, why be anti-racist as a human and a, as a Christian specifically, uh, you go to the book of Ephesians, this uh, the a huge problem in Ephesians three and four is that the church, uh, and this is a, a a problem that shouldn't be a problem in the church is that Gentiles are now part of this what they this Jewish faith essentially that Christ is is um, uniting all nations now under Him and under His banner, and so in Ephesians Paul is saying, guys, we got to get past this. We are all being built up in the church. There is no division between us. There's a, so I would go there. I would go to Galatians for Paul, who wrote Romans 14, which yeah. we saw that Paul says, hey, yeah. man, there are debatable issues amongst us where even when you're right, you need to uh, bow down for unity, essentially. You need to submit yes. so that you... Right. But in Galatians, where the issue is that Gentiles and Jewish believers cannot sit together because Gentiles yeah. are not circumcised. Right. Paul says, no, 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 no. <laughs> I'm not, this is not an issue where we bow down. This is an issue where I call out Peter to his face. Right. This is an issue where I say, it's I hope good. those dissenters castrate themselves. Yeah. This is, uh, and I think that Paul is showing us how to navigate these tensions and see. Yeah. And so I would say, man, when Paul saw division across ethnic lines being, uh, you, like, with the Bible being used as a way to defend those, yeah. Paul said, this is anti to the good news that our king has come yeah. and saved us by his power. Um, and then I would go to Acts 22, 20-23, and just, if you look at the story, that story, Paul is going to great length to make sure Gentile believers can go into uh, the temple to temple. worship. And he's all, all sorts of things are happening, and he's talking to this crowd about the great work of Jesus and how it is this historical narrative story that's happened throughout history. Yeah. And uh, they're they're listening and they're hearing all these kind of crazy claims right. about the resurrection and all yeah. these things. Yeah. And then Paul mentions that the faith yeah. is now <laughs> for all nations. Yeah. And that's when the mob turns against him. Right. And so I would just I would go there to go look. Hey, this is something that has yeah. always been dude an issue. rose from the dead. No big deal. Yeah. Oh my gosh, Gentiles gonna yeah. come into the temple. Then you go to prison. Exactly. Yeah. So, and so, yeah. Um, last scripture that we, we talked about, and again, it's replete with it, but if you just go to the Old Testament, if you look at the prophets, specifically in the book of Amos, there's this judgment that comes down from God, and he specifically, he's calling out Israel for their improper and unjust distribution of land. Yeah. That they're, he, they're literally giving out land in a uh, favoritistic way, yeah. right? And and God calls them out and says like, nope, that's not going to happen. And he curses them and he comes at them. He says, you guys are going to be destroyed because of this. 
And it, it doesn't take Amos very long. Is intense. Amos is crazy. <laughs> if intense. you read yeah. in Amos as an American and don't come away feeling like, uh oh, yeah. like I don't know yeah. if you're reading it right. Yeah, like that's no, it is, it is heavy. Yeah. But when you look at, right, so when you say, okay, the improper and unjust distribution of land by yeah. the powers that be, yeah. you, you go immediately to our neighbors to the north, right, to our, who are native brothers and sisters yeah. uh, right here, the Navajo Reservation, the Hopi Reservation, and remember that they were here, and then we came in. And I'm using the proverbial we, like the United States of America, our nation yeah. came in and said, okay, here's the land you get, yeah. right? And I honestly, like, you got to think, like, God's like, hey, if he was just coming so hard, then he still has that same yeah. desire. His heart does not change. His heart does not change. Yeah. And so I think we have to, again, be able to to be really intentional with navigating through these things. And so yeah. there's the book that um, that we were talking about, The Color of Compromise by Jamar Tisby. Uh, and it's very convicting, yeah. um, but it really gets into the complicity of the church throughout history that has really again led to the seeds of hatred and yeah. and much of of the reason why we're going here you know yeah. and so um can you address I, I don't know if this is even the time and yeah. Je- and i'll say this to jeff real quick yeah. dude i would say just throw it on there now i think look, maybe the best way to do this yeah. is just kind of as we're if going it makes so, sense but if you want to save it to the end you can't yeah there it. will be a time yeah. for that for sure yeah um but would you just speak to the response of and and, and I and, and usually the people say that I love dearly, but the response of but Christians helped abolish slavery. Um, yeah, you know you're talking Wilberforce, yeah. right? We're talking here in America. Can you you know I, f- I feel like that if we're in the history piece. That question and that rebuttal comes up a lot. Yeah, I just uh, it it feels out of place. It feels defensive. You know I uh, you know. <laughs> it just feels defensive. Yeah. We would talk about uh, relating in conflict a lot. And then someone says, hey, you're doing this. And if our response was to boast in our love, that's not love, right? First Corinthians 13 says, love does not boast. And uh, you read that and go, what does that mean? Mm-hmm. Like, are, like, it means that. It means you don't have to point to other loving acts that you've done in order to love. Right. And, and 1 Corinthians 13 says, that's not loving. That yeah. is not loving someone. Even if you did those things, even if you are loving. And so that's convicting to me as a human and as a husband and as a dad. Yeah. Uh, and it's certainly convicting when, uh, you know, I, yeah, those, there are truths and aspects to that that are true. I think, though, also I get a little bit befuddled because it's a can of worms you're opening up because also the Bible was widely misused by mm-hmm. plantation owners who right. became their own little pharaohs, uh, I prefer to say, but they became their own little family pastors uh, over their plantations. Yeah. And they would uh, uh, misuse. Again, disciple, yeah. Yeah, uh, the, the Bible in all sorts of ways. And so if we want to have that conversation, uh, the Christianity has a checkered past unfortunately, yeah. with all this stuff. And so rather than just be like, hey, look at what we've done, yes, we can be encouraged by that, that there's yeah. always been a remnant of Christians that have been hopefully doing the Lord's work. Yeah. We have to be careful uh, then uh, to, to not be defensive. Rand says here, I'll just read it. It's no different than saying that humans abolished slavery. Uh, yes, they were thankfully some Christians who represented Jesus better than most, but it was largely Christians who contributed to support racial oppression long after slavery was abolished. Yeah, and that, I mean, that's, that's true. Um, yeah, and Jeff's comment after that of just, yeah, loving like the, the big C church. Yeah. Like God's 
remnant of people, yeah. like God's committed people. Yeah, and, and so I, th- I think some of this can be like, hey, the church is terrible. No, the yeah. church, look, we're going to go hard on, like, the church is yeah. the hope of the world yeah, totally. we, because of Jesus yeah. and the Spirit. So th- this all comes from, like, we love the church at insane and probably over-the-top yeah. levels, I'd say. It was just yeah. like, and so enough to really say, yeah. but this is a, a mess. Like, we do have things we need to answer to. And I would say, yeah, it's, it's important to know our history. It, it really is. Um, but in those conversations, it's usually not helpful. It, it, when someone's saying, "Well, what?" Yeah. and then you, as a Christian, are defensive and like, "Well, you know, but we were part, we were the abolitionists or whatever." Yeah. Like, I don't know if that's the time or place. Maybe there is a like a time or place for that eventually. But I think that uh, I, I think you have to be wise about that and be sure love is not boasting. You know. And yeah. Uh, yeah. And I do think a lot of people that say that I think their heart is to say, "Look." God has been moving yes. throughout history and yes. time. And I love that heart, and that is a good heart, and that's even good for us to point out. But we have to be careful. And that's it. I think like if the motive of it is, I want to defend the name of Jesus, right? Like I want to stand up that Jesus is is a liberator, right? That Jesus is the one that, you know, has like he he is a deliverer for us and our mm-hmm. sins for oppressed peoples, that he came for that. Man, like, yes, that that's great. Yeah. But when it's, we need to defend, I need to defend yeah. me by hearkening back to this thing. Yeah. Again, I think it does or come with a boastful piece, yeah. defend this country, which is a lot of times, again, guys, we, We're gonna get to we some defend the kingdom of God, not any earthly kingdom. Yeah, and here's the thing. I don't know, I'm just going to, I'll say this because we're, we're about 45 minutes in right now. Um, I, I don't know if there's a ton of stuff that necessarily has been yeah. said that, that many people will disagree with. Yeah. I just want you to, again, maybe just halfway, just to read what we said in the beginning, we want, we so desire dialogue and conversation and, but, but in the midst of that grace, gracious conversation, because there's probably coming in the second half, some things that are going to be a little more roughly, like, uh, you know what I mean? And so I just want to put that out there and say like, Hey, we love you and dialogue with us. Please don't. Don't just take this and say, this is what they think. Yeah. Engage. Again, this is a three-week thing we're doing. So yeah. some of this stuff will get vetted out more and more. So I just even 45 minutes of this, I just want to be able to kind of put that out there again. So yeah. Before yeah. we get into kind of what's pressing right now, I think, it, I think it's important for us to, um, again, acknowledge our, our indigenous brothers and sisters um, and indigenous humans because in one sense, God is the father of all creation you'll find that in acts and you'll find that i believe in one of the prophets i might be mistaken on that but um just this uh and the reality that they live in and so i think sometimes people wrestle in these conversations like why are we talking about this that's not really an issue here one there's black people in flagstaff so that's that's an issue and so for uh, it feels a little belittling to say that even if the percentage wise it's not a lot lot. but there is an important reality especially i i love our, our indigenous brothers and sisters so deeply. I want you to know, uh, I mean, that's going to be pretty much... Topic all, of week three. Yeah, yeah, week three is going to be all on that. And that's that colors all this too. And so if it feels like we're ignoring some of those crucial moments in history for your people as well, uh, I just apologize. I'm sorry. It's more of a time sake thing. And those things are evil and wrong and, and insane too. And even part of the 4th Street uh, protest was... Uh, not just Black Lives Matter, but Indigenous Lives Matter too, right. and, and it just shows that that's close to home for all of us. So yeah. I don't know if you have anything to add about that. Or, no, that's right. great. Um, let so let's pivot if yeah. we could right now um, 
to again so again that was not an exhaustive history that was not an exhaustive defense for racism exists um but but hopefully it gives us all some tools and some traction and and then moves us a bit more to like it's not just this thing that happened it is present yeah. its tentacles uh are, are pressed into the present because of the past and still exist in in real yeah. profound ways but let's pivot to to today our country yeah. And and this is like so you go back 2016 seven I think it was 16 Ro Kaepernick Colin Kaepernick quarterback for the 49ers kneels at the national anthem and and it and it really does it comes on the tail end of some some murders that we saw yeah. on camera and on film right and so you you, you just navigate that and we we're now four years later yeah there was a conversation happening now it seems like there's the conversation has expanded to the point where I saw a post today that said that based on, there was protests in all 50 states and in 13 different countries so far across the world, making it the largest kind of civil rights rally in the history of the world, oh, you wow. know, which, and and so I feel like there's some things that, that in healthy ways, I, I don't want this to just be this negative, all is bad, like there are some hopeful things and i think some of it is that that maybe more eyes are being opened yeah. more ears are being opened there is a like if if this is if this is a rival right like we're somewhere over here yeah. would be my guess um but but i bring all that up to say we're in this moment now in 2020 yeah. there are protests there are these things that are existing in our world today that we have to talk about yeah. so the question really is why is this happening you know, yeah, like I mean, what's happening heart-wise, you know, the whole deal. Yeah, I I mean, I think there's a lot of reasons. I think, I, I think there's a lot of reasons. I, I so Wayne Winner, who's a pastor at Redemption Alhambra, he, he was sharing with you a lot of things this morning, what his thoughts on this. Yeah. And, uh, before I even share any of that, I would just love for you to kind of paraphrase and reiterate what he was sharing with you because... I feel like Wayne has been a leader for me uh, yeah. through this, and, and and for those just joining, Wayne is is, is African American, and he uh, he's a prophetic voice for us. And so, yeah, yeah I, I'm not. I'm just gonna shoot it yeah, back thanks. at you. What was some yeah. of the, you know, as you guys talk through that? What was he saying? So maybe you need to preface that. No, yeah. So Wayne, Wayne, he, just talking through it. I loved his words in this. I thought it was, again, like you said, kind of prophetic. So he was. He was hearkening to a story from Tim Keller in yeah. his book, Meaning of Marriage, in this post. Yeah. And in the post, he talked about how uh, in the book, Tim Keller kind of talks about this reality of how his wife is washing the dishes and she's trying to get her husband's attention. Yeah. And he's just ignoring her, ignoring her, ignoring her, ignoring her yeah. until all of a sudden she smashes the plate yeah. and then he runs over, yeah. right? Um, and then is like, hey, wh what's going on? And then now she has his ear because the, the, the calling out just wasn't yeah. doing it. Yeah. And it's not even this, so again, like in that instance, no one's really questioning like, should she have smashed the plate? Like the, 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 the issue that burdens us and is burdening the Kellers as he writes about it is the husband won't listen to the wife. Yeah. And, and I want to be very clear, like the analogy breaks down all sorts of ways. Yeah, it's yeah. not white people are the husband to yeah, black people. Yeah. So please don't, but just from that analogy, I'm just saying, no, the, and this was Wayne's cry of like, yeah. He is at a place as a 40, early 40-year-old 40 black man that feels like he has been yelling 
and calling out for help for 35 years, yeah. right? And no one's, like, at, at any substantive, le- substantive level, the husband isn't listening. Yeah. And so he, he was just hearkening to what you're seeing around the country right now is desperation. Like, please hear us. Yeah. Please see us. Please listen to us. And then we can have that conversation. Yeah, yeah I think um, what, what, it's kind of the further on to that idea of like, why is it happening? Why is it happening everywhere? Why does it happen so much? Why is it happening in all these ways? And, and we'll get into some of this more specifically in a second. But, you know, we like to say peaceful protests. Those are welcome here. Bring your peaceful protests. Right. But going back to the Colin Kaepernick stuff, what is more peaceful than that? <laughs> like yeah. he's getting down on one knee when reporters are asking him. He's calmly explaining himself. This is what I'm doing. He's, yeah, this is why I'm doing it. This is what I'm thinking. And I don't know if you remember this. We were. <laughs> this is gonna sound weird. Do you remember? <laughs> like, look, look, this is what I'm gonna say. There was such an uproar against this. There still is of him yeah. taking a knee at these games for a variety of reasons. Yeah. And I remember being, I don't know where we were. We were at some hotel. We're sitting in a hot tub with some random guy we don't even know. Uh, yes. Who is like, dude, NFL's going down. Yep. No one's going to watch anymore. That's this right. is bad. It's like, the comfort in. Yeah. yeah. And that's it. We don't know this guy. <laughs> yeah. And so that's one end of the spectrum. A lot of people were thinking that way right. for a guy kneeling yeah. and saying, oh, this is what I think. Yeah. And, uh, and, and 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 then it became well, and then it became well. It's the anthem, and and, yeah. and he, like it stinks. We have to caveat this a little bit. We we love our mil- like our troop, like the service members. Thank you, like absolutely. Yeah. Thank you, thank yeah. you, thank you. So please, please don't hear this in any way as derogatory. But uh, we understand the nuances of that piece. Yeah. But even when they moved away from the anthem, you had. Kobe Bryant wearing a T-shirt that says "I can't breathe," yeah. and then it became you should b- b- just stick to basketball. Yeah. Again, the, well, he was LeBron James. It was LeBron James. Yeah, yeah. yeah sorry. Um, Kobe had a shirt on too. I can't remember. He what did. His no, Kobe yeah. did wear one of those shirts, but LeBron was the. We was, should be able to do more. Has been making comments and wearing yeah. shirts, and someone says, "Shut up and dribble." Shut up the shut up and dribble LeBron. piece, right? Yeah. And so it's just like, well, wait, wait a second. So, okay, it, it was you have to do it silently, quietly. Yeah. All right. He kneels, uh, but the anthem. Yeah. Okay, now a guy's just wearing a T-shirt, yeah. and the same amount of like yeah. he shouldn't be saying that. It's like, dude, he's he's warming up before a basketball yeah. game. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, and so at a certain level, you have to begin to say, look, this does this isn't sitting about the anthem. And and here's why we bring that up. There are you in our church who were also very bothered by these and bothered by these sorts of protests. And I don't want to say that there wasn't some aspect of your heart that was, I don't know, valid or something, but actually I do. Like, I, I just think when people peacefully protest and say things, even if we think they're crazy, our response to it can just be that. We can just go, huh, that's kind of crazy. Or we could listen uh, too. And I think a lot of times, I think in these scenarios, it was moments where we needed to listen and not just dismiss. And so I, I, I think that's why that one in particular feels like it felt like a defining moment. And if, and especially like, yeah. you know, Nike eventually signs Kaepernick. Mm. 
everybody's burning their Nike stuff because of it. And uh, I'm like, there's worse things Nike is doing that for why you should be burning. Well, again, it's just really, I know that's very, (laughs) I shouldn't buy it. I know. But it's getting too like meta of like, uh, yeah, that's true. But even you just think like, you know how I'm going to show Kaepernick I don't support, I'm going to burn my own stuff. (laughs) Like I spend good money on this. This is a good question from Dane. Yeah. If you want to take that. Yeah, I mean, Dane just says, if anyone has a reason they think what Kaepernick did was not a peaceful protest, please respectfully share it. I'd love to hear your opinion. I myself can't get there. And then Dane also said, and it not, I think he was responding to some of what we were saying, and not an invalid or wrong way to protest, but not a peaceful protest. Um, and so anyways, yeah, I mean, these gentlemen all peacefully protest. And... Uh, yeah, so I, I just think it's it's funny we have this visceral reaction to any sort of protest for many years now, not just what we're seeing in different ways now, but we we have a visceral reaction to peaceful protest even. And so, you know, church, I think we should be convicted by that. I think that we need to have better responses to peaceful protest because it will show uh, those in our world that we're listening and that we love them and that we care about them. Um, so yeah, I don't know. If, yeah, yeah. I think so. So let's let's talk. So we had two protests here last night, right? Uh, here in Flagstaff, one started at 5 p.m. downtown. One was here on Fourth Street, uh, and we we were uh, many people from the church were at both or at yeah. one or the other. Um, and so last night, both protests. Uh, very on the whole very peaceful yeah. in the sense of like no one fighting there's yelling yeah. obviously um, then there was uh, here at this protest here on 4th Street we're there there's a, a brick that's thrown through a window right yeah. um, and it's so unfortunate on multiple levels it says police substation on it it's actually uh, like a storage area for Tinkertopia like a kid's store which like, is yeah. a free place you can go with yeah. your kids to just do arts and crafts and it's yeah. It's an amazing place. It's an place. amazing place, you yeah. know? And so um, and so that happens, right? The brick yeah. goes through. Everyone hears it. Everyone's eyes turn. And immediately, everyone's side of like four people that I think were friends with the brick thrower yeah. are like chasing this person yeah. and yelling at this person. That's not what this is about. This yeah. is we're peaceful. We're pursuing peace. This is what we want. And, I, and, and hear me. That is the overwhelming majority of protesters in our country right now. The narrative that people want to grab a hold of, especially in in the media, is is that, uh, I think it was though, but that's okay. So um, that being said, that they want to grab a hold of is that um, they're trying to incite violence. They're going out to do that. And everybody is out there trying to break buildings and hurt people. Yeah, and so so then and you, and you know that's that people think this way, like that's their proclivity because then when you read some of the comments it's like they're they're just they're all thugs yeah. and just why are you doing stay home? It's like wait, what are you No, like please divorce yourself from the bias for a moment and see what's actually happening. Look for yourself, research, look at all this, yeah. the videos that are going of like, people are just walking, they're yelling stuff. Okay, yeah. you're allowed to yell stuff. That yeah. First Amendment thing, we're all on board for, yeah. you know? So yes, please do that. That being, well, no, I want you to say something there and then I'll ask you a question. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, I had a bunch of thoughts, so I want to sort this out. Yeah, I know, there's so much on this, but, yeah. yeah. And again, I, please, questions and comments. You know, I know yeah. some, there's even some dissenters now saying like, hey, let's, 
let it be known that there are like stop this uh, conversation of outside agitators that are coming in and doing these things. Yeah. And, oh, right. Uh, because because right, they're right. saying it's important for us to hear how serious this is. It's serious enough for that. Yeah. Now, my only problem with that, and this is my own wrestle and pushback, is I have a lot of black friends. I have a lot of uh, black leaders that speak into my life, and it seems like the overwhelming uh, all of them that I can think of. Uh, are, are trying to say, hey, we want to be known as peaceful. Yeah. Peaceful and peacefully protesting. Um, now, are we loud? Are we disgruntled? Are we angry? We want that to be known as well. Yeah. But we want it to be known that we're peaceful on the whole. And so I think it's it, that's just something important here. Yeah. I know some of us might wrestle with that. Um, but on the flip side of that is often white people we get more well actually there's two here's what i wanted to say so you brought up this word thugs yeah you know this is a sidebar conversation but this becomes a uh, this is a coded word for the black community and this means that this is basically like kind of a racist thing to say it's saying that there is a certain type of bad person that is black and we're going to call them thugs friends christians we need to stop using this word that's how they receive it. That's how they interpret it, whether that's right or wrong or whatever. We need to, especially in this context, not use the word thug. No. You can call Anthony G a thug all day, every day if you want. It will <laughs> hurt my feelings. But uh, we need to stop uh, calling our, our black brothers and sisters thugs. It's, 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 it's being interpreted and seen as racist. Um, now... And... and, and because it is, that means it is racist. Yeah, we just got to so stop. So stop with, yeah. it's not even this interpretation. Like, yeah. you know, at that point, and it, hear me, we're, uh, we're, we're pastors, we love our church, and we're saying, especially as Christians, yeah. that should be not part of it. That's yeah. how language yeah. works, friends. Right. I'm right. sorry. That's just how it works, and that's how it changes, and, that, and, and, and so we just need to know that. Um, back to the protest, and yeah. back to some of these things. Um, when... The, the, the big problem a lot of people uh, in the black community are having right now is we care more that a building is being destroyed or looted than George Floyd's life or the many uh, lives yeah, right. of black people throughout the last right. uh, number of decades. And I think we need to listen to that because yeah. I've, I've re I read posts today yeah. where there's all caps about uh, buildings being destroyed, wall whatever, things being destroyed. And lowercase for George, George Floyd's life. As I read the scriptures, hmm. a human life is far more valuable than any building, anything uh, like that. Now, it's a little bit more complicated and nuanced to, than that. And I don't want to discount uh, some of what that. Yeah. Some of what the confusion is on that side with the, the side that's upset about businesses and things. We'll talk right. about that in just a moment. Yeah. We will. Um, we will address and, that. But So, so and we will. And so anyways, but these are all just things to wrestle with. I, I, where do you want to take the conversation? Well, I mean, just in the midst, of, I think another thing, it's not just the caps. It's also, I have multiple friends that post, that did not post about the murder of George Floyd but then did post about the riots and, yeah. and the and the, the you know the <clears throat> destruction of yeah. property. This has to stop. Yeah, I'm like, dude, like, and 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 a week ago, a guy was we the world watched. Yeah. You know, like a guy be killed. Nothing. 
but then this. And again, so just even that aspect of it, of just, and so here's the thing, like we're not here to be Facebook police. We're just trying to say, what is it about the hearts yeah. of of many of our neighbors, you know? And if hear me, if you're sitting there and you're like, that's, I didn't do that, so I mean, wonderful. That, that makes you at the baseline a decent person, yeah. you know what I mean? That's great. But but again, we need to call these things out because that is not okay. And it says something about the internal yeah. kind of reality. Um, Kaylee just texted, difference between, when you start thinking through language, difference between a protest and a riot. Yeah. How would you speak to, to those things? Yeah, I mean... <laughs> Uh, she's testing me, man. Parsing she's like, how can you be diplomatic with this question, Anthony? Um, I think that, you know, you're reading a hundred different things about all of these words and how they're being used and how they should or shouldn't be used. And so uh, I think protests are happening across the country. Yeah. And I think that's important to see. Uh, I think riots are... When, you, when the Celtics win the championship and the city is in, in ruins, you know, like that's a riot, you know, just like destruction and damage uh, for no reason. And so I think we have to be careful because a lot of, uh, I think a lot of people are coloring everything that's happening uh, in the protests as riots. And it's that's just not the case. Yeah. And so let before we get into this stuff, We'll go ahead. Well, just to add on, I mean, a protest is, right, is this intentional opposition to a, like, a force that's coming this direction. Like, you're protesting this force that is trying to move you. The riot does not have, it's it's not that. So what we do when we just, like, minimize these things, they're just rioters, right? You're like, well, we can then divorce all of the reasons that would drive someone to be out there, right? It takes away, it allows for the language, and language is powerful to say they're just out there causing craziness and, and pain and destruction, and it allows us to like, okay, but let's forget about the fact that, no, 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 like literally millions of our fellow citizens and neighbors around the world are looking at something that is unjust and saying, no, we are against this thing. Yeah. Yeah. I saw, you know, uh, I think one person of color say, hey man, we see rioters as like the Joker, you know, in Batman, like that he just wants to watch the world burn. And that's not right. what's happening here. We don't yeah. want to watch the world burn. We want justice for, right. for our lives and for many others. So, um, so I think that's uh, an important distinction. Yeah. Uh, do you want to get into policing and police right now? Or do you want to speak more towards how we as Christians, because I know we're being asked a lot of things, how are we supposed to look at these rioting and protests and protests past curfew and things like that um, which direction do you want to go first let, let's stick on the protest rioting piece yeah um and then we'll move to some of the policing stuff here as we wrap up um so yeah so when we think through the protests and the riot so um and I want to bring, I think this is important because a massive, and I want to just say this really quick, like a massive piece of the work of the church and the work of the Christian is in peacemaking. And peacemaking, yeah. we don't mean the absence of, conflict. you know, fighting or conflict. We or mean, confrontation. Or confrontation. Yeah. We mean this beautiful pursuit of the way the world should be, right? That's peacemaking. Like when you enter into that, you are trying to enter into a situation to make it the way it should be in in God's perfect world. Wow, also, 
It's not a. It's not the end goal. Isn't the only thing. It's even the journey there is full the of way you're peace doing it. and shalom. Yes. Uh, yes. And the so way it's not by any means. Be, yeah. yeah. There's yeah. a way. I know that yeah. throughout history and even oh, that's good. in modern days, right. people go as long as we can get there. As long as I can get there, who cares how we get? Oh there? yeah. I mean, that's the, Hitler was trying to create a utopia, exactly. right? The way things he thought. Should, and so, so it's the way God thinks it should be, and you get there by doing things the way God thinks they should that. be. And, yeah, yeah. I would have us do that. And so I think uh, in the midst of that, that means that when you have these conversations, be willing to engage the other side and acknowledge in the midst of this with everything we're saying, acknowledge that, no, there are things that are wrong. Otherwise, there is this reality of we will push people away from this table that need to learn. And I'm, I'm part of that. Like I always need to learn as well. And so what, what I say all that to bring up this this part of it of, you and I would both, I'll just say for me, I don't want to assume we didn't yeah. talk about this. Yeah. Uh, the rampant looting is not a good thing. Um, and, and what I mean by that is when I'm watching a video of a bunch of white surfer kids with long blonde hair smash a window in Santa Monica, run into a Patagonia store, grab surfboards, get on their cruiser and ride back down to the beach. We need to look at that and condemn that. Like they need to be arrested. Like they, there needs to be justice served yeah. for that community, for those people. As well as, you know, we're sitting with other pastors here in the community. We, our church office is here in the Sunnyside neighborhood that we love to death, right? Um, the communities around our country that are uh, urban, that are poor, that are at-risk communities, they need they need the businesses that surround them. Like it, when when we when we destroy, when we hurt, when we loot, when we ruin, when we when we all that. We're, we are negatively impacting these communities. Yeah. We're impacting the people that we want to defend and care for and fight for justice yeah. for. And, and it has to be part of the conversation if we want to be part of peace. Like if we yeah. want to really tr truly pursue the way this should be, we have to be able to look at this with reality and say, no, no, like that, we, we're not supporting that. But in the midst of it, so much of it is, well, we don't support that means that like all of a sudden that you don't care about this yeah you issue don't care anymore. about this issue and i think it's because we need to make george floyd's life more primary right and more a bigger part of the conversation it's because we're looting. doing caps yes. for the looting and yeah, not caps exactly. for the murder of a man and so i i do think that's important uh rand has a really good question here and it relates to a question somebody texted us last night great and it's this so rand says at some point a violent protest against injustice can develop into full-fledged rebellion or even war which we greatly celebrate in our american history boston tea party uh a question mark violently opposing unjust government authority did not start with the civil rights movement what is the biblical perspective on this that's great uh, i would say you know uh, <laughs> That's a big question. The second question that I think relates is this. Somebody asked us, what do we say as Christians to those that are going out past curfew and protesting? Are they submitting to the government? Oh, right. Aren't we called to submit to the government? Right. Um, so let's talk through these questions a little bit. I'll, I'll, <laughs> Randy, for Rand's question right here. I'll take uh, the other one. Cool. <laughs> um, for Rand's Divide question here, here. All right. Yeah. I mean, as long as you want me to answer it the way I'm going to answer it. Uh, I... I am. I personally am against violently opposing unjust government authority. I'm. I'm against it. 
Uh, I think that's what scripture would say. Uh, I think there's a lot of debate in the theologians throughout history about that. And so it's, I think it's really tough and hard. I, a lot of times, describe it as, listen, I, uh, and Rand says he's wrestled with this for years. I wrestle with it too. Especially we often herald Dietrich Bonhoeffer, right. who tried to assassinate Hitler. Uh, Hitler yeah. And he also wrote the book Cost of Discipleship. And he, right. do, he seemed like a very solid Christian. Life to, I mean, a lot of good stuff. Yeah. I, I, I personally, I don't think that's the path that the Spirit would lead me into. Now, if I'm in Dietrich's shoes and I'm in uh, Germany in that time, I don't know what I would do. And I th I'm not saying yeah. that what I do is right, and I'm not saying what I do wouldn't need forgiveness, but it's, it is a hard dynamic to figure out what does it mean for us to fight for justice in, in a way that also I'm not sinning myself. And I think this is a question that's not asked enough. Like you said, Rand, like America celebrates uh, this revolution at the Boston, mm -hmm. the Boston Tea Party, yeah. um, not Boston Tea, I don't know, riot. Uh, and so, uh, and wow, so, actually, that's really telling. Actually, yeah. I've literally never like thought yeah. that. That's <laughs> yeah. So beautiful. I think probably. I mean, definitely a slight on the British, but I think it's important for us as Christians to go. Yeah, we need to view that differently. We need to view that situation differently. Now, I do, like, there's aspects to the American Revolution and rebellion that I think we're seeking uh, good things for people. But personally, as a Christian, it's not how I would do it. So, um, so th and this yeah. is a good question. Before yeah. you answer, do you, uh, no, I'll, I'll relate it now because it's kind of related. Go ahead. So Brent asked this, and we've been hearing this a lot too. What about re relating it to Jesus' righteous anger and throwing over tables in one of the synagogues uh, that was making profit? He here's the thing. For church, I love you. I love you so much. Listen, though. We, in this time, are really brandishing the Bible and using it as a weapon to prove our points and not reading it and not listening to it and not submitting to it. And so this is one of the things that I've seen brandished. Uh, and I understand why people are brandishing it because they're, they're trying to say, look, Jesus' heart was more than just like being passive all the time. And I agree. And uh, Jeff, Jeff, actually, I don't think he minds me saying this. He challenged me with this like a year or two ago and just saying like, what do I do with that? How do I wrestle with that? And honestly, since then I've been wrestling with like, what does this mean for us to exemplify Jesus' heart in this way? Yeah. And I think first is we have to understand that story and understand what's going on. And here's what, I, as I've studied Jesus' heart and when he is in these moments where he's willing to build a whip and flip tables and do these things yeah. and he's harsh with people, what I found is the reason why is he's usually harsh with people that should know better and people in the people of God yeah. that should know better. And so church, when we're, we've been using this to say we can flip tables, we can destroy buildings because Jesus did these things. I just want us to be careful because one, he was God. So if anyone's going to do it in a just perfect way, <laughs> it's going to be God. And then two, I want us to be careful because if you read the whole narrative of Scripture, if you read all of the prophets, often the prophets start off talking about the other nations around Israel and how God's going to judge those nations. 
But then he talks to Israel and he says, it's going to be far worse for you guys. And especially in Amos, I think you find this dynamic. Some of the atrocities of the other nations are, are worse in my mind and in my eyes. And I think God yeah. is actually trying to say, look how bad this is. And then uh, he goes to Israel's uh, atrocities and things they've done wrong. And some of them are sometimes just as bad, but sometimes they're not. And yet God is more serious about it. And he's more angry with Israel about it. And he says more judgment is coming to Israel about it. And so I think God often, and Jesus' heart in the temple was going, you guys not just should know better, you guys do know better. And yet you're doing this. And so Jesus is moved to anger when people do know better and yet shouldn't do that. And and are part of the household of God, supposedly. And so I think that uh, for us to use that as a model for how we should protest and do things, I think is not great because... Jesus is doing this amongst the people of God. And we also see that Jesus is very intentional about how he's doing things amongst the people of God. And so I do agree that Jesus has a righteous anger. And I do agree that buildings don't matter as much as human lives. And I think people are right in that. But I think people are just trying to apply every story in way, you know... Like Jesus, he one time he cursed a fig tree. <laughs> yeah. And so does that, and he cursed it because he was mad essentially at the sin of, of Israel and his people. Yeah. So does that mean I can just go kill every plant <laughs> when I'm mad at, at the church? I don't think so. And so I think we have to be careful uh, about that. Yeah, I, I mean, obviously, like the background on that story is is the oppression of the Gentile community not having a place to worship at the temple, and so it, you know God's heart for the oppressed is emphasized in the midst of this. So I, I get the connections, but I do reiterate, I, I agree with that. I mean, you have to understand there was significantly, uh, like from a worldly perspective, yeah. significantly more unjust things that were happening in that time. Yeah. That were outside of the temple, that were done by the Roman Empire. That right, like that the empire was literally crushing, enslaving, killing, uh, doing terrible things yeah. oppressively within their within their empire. And Jesus never he doesn't go and turn over tax collectors' tables, right? He invites the tax collector to come follow him and be be saved. But he does run into the temple and start doing stuff. And so again, like this is the thing is church. Like if there is a temple or if there is a table to overthrow, be it at be it at redemption. Like yeah. if if there is if there are things we are doing that are oppressing people, yeah. man, come and turn like come into our office and whatever the proverbial you're tossing you're you're smashing my computer on the ground because the way that we are leading the church oppresses people by all means. Like and I think that's what Please, I mean, please yeah, don't. We would love a I mean, conversation like, yeah, talk, first. Talk to us first, please. Uh, you can smash Francis computer. There's a good chance we, we don't deserve mean it. it still, uh, but I would love a conversation. Yeah, first. yeah, that's right, good. Quickly, let's answer this question because we were asked it The curfew night. stuff. Yeah. Okay, curfews at 8 p.m. Should we follow curfew uh, as Christians and not protest, peacefully protest? Uh, why or why not? What yeah. I, um, so, yeah, I, I am... And so I am pro civil disobedience when laws that yeah. are passed are passed in an oppressive for oppressive reasons. Yeah. I think that the curfew, uh, and I'll just say specifically here, is is not a just a just law, an yeah. a just mandate. Um, it is. I think it is infringing upon the rightful assembly of yeah. people. 
and I think it is an overreaction to the to the actions and the things that are happening around our country, and I think it is an overstep. Yeah, I do. So, so that being said, let's just talk about Flagstaff. If there's there's going to be another protest tonight, supposedly another one tomorrow, um, we've heard they could potentially be violent, right? Yeah. Um, I think in these circumstances, there are um, intentional reasons that. I'd say Christians in particular should be present in these moments. And if it carries on beyond a certain time frame, then so be it. Mm. Because it's pressing against what I think is an unjust law. And I think it's, uh, it's literally like, if we, let me just say this. If you look across like the, even just the recent history, we didn't do curfews for a lot of other stuff. But we seem to do it when all of a sudden there was a groundswell of citizens that wanted to speak out against some oppression they were seeing. And, yeah. and maybe that's maybe I'm wrong in seeing that. And by all means, that, that might be something that people will be really upset with. Um, yeah, I mean, here, I'll, I'll, I, I push back against it. I, yeah. I, don't, I actually agree with your premise. Like, yeah. I, this, to me, is a Romans 14 debatable matter where I think, I think you can hold that mm-hmm. opinion, and I think it's even good. I'm even okay with Christians living out it the way you said it. I'm okay with yeah. that. I'm not going to push against that too much me personally how it for the curfew for how i view it is it's not worth it to me to break it right now uh and i think that right no i i, see. I think that, yeah. the curfew is inciting some tensions and so if this thing is inciting some tensions primarily between the protesters and police if it's inciting intentions i'm like okay if you're going to do this I'll wait till the, I'll I'll protest right up to curfew. Right. I'll go home. Right. I'll come right back, and I'm gonna keep. And then one day I'm gonna protest. There's not gonna be a curfew because that's not, in my opinion, yeah. I don't think there's always gonna be a curfew. Right. Now, if especially if there's always a curfew, I'm more lean in your direction. But I also don't fault my friends who feel like they have to stay out past curfew to do that because yeah. it, it is peaceful. They're not doing anything that, and that's at, at that's, that's level human wrong. Right. I think that yeah. and that's the key of it. Yeah. Right. Is if your presence is there for shalom making, yeah. for peacemaking, oh. then no, I, I think like if, so last night, it, things wrapped up here uh, at, at, around our church, around right. our office, around 8, and we thought kind of people dissipated. It kept going till about 8.20, yeah. about another 20 minutes after we wrapped up here at the church. And, and that we, I know we had people from our church that were there like sitting and conversing and being with the protesters in solidarity to 820, you yeah. know? So again, is it, is it, okay, I'm going to be, I'm going to be out past this curfew because I want to stick it to the man. Foolish reason. Like yeah. that makes no sense. Is it to be with people who are hurting yeah. and, and broken and crying and are yelling for help? I think yeah. yes, you can be cool. there. So it's not a recom- hear me, not a recommendation to yeah. do it. It's I think there is freedom in Jesus to say we are going to be with people that we see oppressed and hurting. Like we will move towards them if it goes up against this law. And even I may backtrack on some of my language in regards to yeah. the the deep unjustness of it because I think there is validity too of. And from a good yeah. place of why it might come, but in that sense of just saying like, no, if you're if this is the reason, church, like, no, 
feel that conviction, yeah. be present with people, and then but but also submit to the law enforcement in that moment. Like if yeah. they come and they're in your face and saying like you need to get out of here, then I'm like, okay, well, like listen to them, you know, like don't fight or argue with them yeah. in the midst of that. Yeah, uh, you know what I mean. So it's but at 8:20 last night, the our law enforcement here in Flagstaff. They, they let it go till 820, you know, yeah. and they and, and even then it was the crowd dissipated at that time. Yeah. They didn't force it. Yeah. They were there to protect the right of the people yeah. to, to have rightful assembly and Christian state in the midst of that. But again, if, if the yeah, if, if the police come up and say like Anthony or say I was there with them last night, they say, hey, they probably don't know my name, but you, you need to go home right now. Yeah. I'm like, all right, like I would probably go, you know, yeah. because also in the midst of that, submitting to this person right in front of me, I think is important. So it's very nuanced, but you know, yeah, I think that's and, it. and I think that's that's yeah. what's tough about that question in particular. It's like there's not a Bible verse out there that says when the government gives you a curfew, make sure you follow. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. I think what complicates yeah. it too is America's own laws. When the Bill of Rights gives us. Uh, the right to lawful assembly, that is a greater law than anything enacted right now. But right. like I said, that's why I think there's a little bit even, and I think there's okay difference between us of, I'm probably gonna try to follow it as best I can, and but I'm also okay with those that are like, you know what, no, I'm not going to because I, I believe in this this other reality and these other things. And, and so I th- that's for me as a Christian, Yeah, I think that's good. And, yeah, yeah. You know, uh, all right, let's let's move to and it's we're going over our time a bit. I think that's okay though. Yeah, uh, it's been uh, you know lively, lively. Yeah, so yeah. let's talk about policing because that's the that's a big part of this conversation. That's a hard part. That's a that's a tense part. I even yeah. think of uh, Faith Haglin and Zach Haglin and I, uh, Kevin. Yeah, Kevin, uh, Matthew. Yeah, people yeah, in our yeah. church who right. who uh, are police officers or married to police officers and. And, and how much I love them. And so uh, I, these, this whole conversation can be tough for them in a lot of ways, uh, in all sorts of ways. But um, start the conversation off. What, how, what direction I, do I go? think it's important on the front end of talking about policing to say two things. And, and, and hopefully it comes from you've heard us talk for the first hour and a half here. Yeah. And, it, and it is this. And it, we very, we're going to say, I'll say, okay, ready? We do believe that there are, within every system, including our own here in the church, there does exist some ignorance and some systemic brokenness and some personal brokenness because we believe in sin. So we do believe that exists amongst every system and the justice system in America is not devoid of that, right? Like, it's not like Satan just didn't touch that aspect of this world. And we're gonna, I think we'll talk more about that. That being said, we have a deep affection and appreciation for law and for our first responders, for law enforcement officers, especially the ones here in Flagstaff. We know many of them. We know the pains that they go through, the prayers that they lift up for this community. We were with many of them last night as they did. I mean, many just stood there as lots of ridicule and pain and like just were were spewed at them. And hear me again, coming from a place of real pain as well, right? Like, so it's, I'm not even trying to judge what those people, what the protesters were doing and saying, but I just saw them stand there and we spoke with them afterwards. We spoke with some of them today and, and hear me. And it, 
they are for these protests. Like they, yeah. they, they are for protecting them, for seeing them. We value so significantly the sacrifices that they do make on a yeah. consistent day-to-day -day basis here in a country. And I right now, and I know you join me in this, and everyone should, if you especially are a lover of Jesus, and condemn and decry the murders of law enforcement officers and first responders that are happening at protests around the country. Like that, you, and, and we, you need to yell that because that is just as evil, yeah. right? It is as evil as the murder of George Floyd. And we need to be able to say both without minimizing the message because the message is massively important. And so much of this desire is to say, gosh, like decry that because we don't want the message to be lost. And another person lost their life. And, and these stories, if you're not, let's Google. There's been a handful yeah. of these and they're absolutely horrendous. Yeah. Right, just like the murder of George Floyd. Yeah, church, here's, here's a tension for us that we have to navigate. Uh, the world wants us to divide. The, our own sinful flesh, the, our flesh, flesh as a power in our world, uh, Satan himself, demons want us to divide. And so it's easier to say, to try and pit uh, the, the side for protesters and then the side of police and say, you can't be for, you can be for one of them and not the other, and you gotta pick. And Christians, that's not true. That's not true. Only Siths deal in absolutes, as Star Wars teaches us. Maybe I shouldn't say that, <laughs> but the, the reality is, um, uh, the reality is we can care about the protesters and value what they're saying, and we can also care about the police officers and, and realize who they are and realize how hard their job is. The human, like yeah. they are, they are image bearers. Yes. They are human beings, right? That have all the same joys, fears, wins, losses, yeah. failure, like all of like they're people, yeah. right? And as, and hear me again, we're, we're, this is primarily for us as Christians, for the church. We love image bearers, yeah. period. Like we, we literally, the Bible, we die for yeah. other image bearers. And Christians, so, that's yeah. hard for us. It's easier to eat with the circumcised and not eat with the Gentiles. That's, that's one of the earliest New Testament books, if not the earliest, in Galatians. And so it's easier for us to divide. It's easier for us to do what culture wants us to do. But in this instance, we need to realize all image bearers have dignity, worth, and value. And if you're struggling with that, someone you really should talk to, you should sit down with Kevin Sapp. And maybe I, sh I shouldn't put him out there like this, <laughs> right, right. but... I've, Kevin Sapp is an incredible police officer in our church who, uh, man, I love his heart for how he does police work. And, and we've, we have an all-of-life interview of him uh, somewhere in our archives that you can look up. And it's, it is truly incredible. It's truly uh, a peacemaker. And so, yeah, uh, when we, so he heads up a uh, security team at the church. And when we were talking about the values of that team, um, his value of it was love. Like he's yeah. like, this thing exists that we could love people better. Yeah. So, I that being said, this, please hear that. Yeah, hear yeah. that, and that matters, and that's that's important. And so, Christians, it's attention. We're gonna have to navigate it. I wish, as a pastor, I could just say pick one side. You know, like that's what I wish. It's easier, it's easier. And, it's, and then we can just you know be like a country club or whatever a club that everybody agrees. But but the reality is. Us as uh, Christians, full of spirit, it's it's not going to look quite like that, at least with this specific area. Um, 
and I, Alan Heller, uh, a, a friend from, we used to go to church together actually <laughs> before he was up here this summer. He says, we can keep our convictions without separating and putting others down. Humility is a mark of a true believer. I, you know, it's true. And yeah. So, um, let, let's talk yeah. more about this. Yeah. Yeah. That, that being said, um, and I don't, I don't, again, that's not a, okay, now we've moved on. We yeah, get to yeah. the goods. Like truly embody that church. Like, well, that's who we are. Um, There are systemic realities to policing in this country that cannot be ignored, that have been unjust, laws that have been passed, that then have had to then be enforced by law enforcement officers, right? That were unjust and oppressive laws, right? and at significant levels, yeah. when you when you delve into, and we don't have time for all this, but just the drug laws throughout like yeah. the the, ninth, the 20th century and the way those were rolled out, really systematically to oppress literally different people groups at different times yeah. based on different things, yeah. and you had our law enforcement <clears throat> officers that were then responsible to enforce yeah. said law. Mix that with the proclivity of the human heart, which again, we believe outside of Christ, like in his common, like we're just, a, we're a mess and yeah. power corrupts and all that stuff. All the stuff we talked about, about moving down. Was it? I was just saying, not to mention like, it's hard to stand up against evil. You know what I yeah, mean? Like right. that's like, yeah. that, I think that's another part of this conversation we don't for, we forget. So sometimes there's like racist systems or racist people doing things that are totally wrong. And people should stand up against it and stop it. Yeah. But it's easier to look away, especially when it doesn't affect us yeah. as white people. And so we shouldn't be like not everybody is this like challenger prophet type that right. can go in and fight. And I, I just think we forget that. Sometimes. No, that's really good. And that's why they yeah. keep happening, keep right. going on. But anyways. So that being said, as yeah. you look through and if you man, if you just look at there have been numerous now reviews and studies done on various police departments around our country and like not not speculation yeah. evidence yeah. like recordings shredded documents email you know, like that have revealed significant levels of racism around our country and yeah. and hear me is it every hear me, it's not every police officer even in those precincts but it's there and it's rampant yeah. in these different places. And, and listen, we have to acknowledge it because if we don't acknowledge it, we can't move towards fixing it. Yeah. It just then sits there. We hope it goes away. Yeah. We have to be able to navigate and have those conversations with the utmost respect for what they're doing at the same time. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Uh, you know, I think a lot of time, a lot of conversations like been like, oh, there's bad apples. Uh, yeah, certainly. Every career has a bad apple. Oh, right. Man. There's always yeah. bad apples in right. in all sorts of places. Do we condemn the whole the whole uh, career and group? Then I, I agree. Like we just said, it's it's more nuanced than condemning the whole group. Yeah. Um, Chris Rock does this bit. Oh yeah, that's great. That says it's really good. He he essentially says, listen, there's there's some careers where you just can't have a bad apple. Right. And and he's related to the police officer. He's saying there, there's just some we we just can't have bad apples. Right. And then he goes, 
like for instance, a pilot. Yeah, like pilots. You can't have like, yeah. yeah, you can't have a bad apple yeah. pilot. You don't want to get on the plane and find out your pilot's a bad apple. And yeah, not gonna yeah. be able to fly. Like fly that's the plane. thing. If like Southwest Airlines came out and said, "Well, we had three planes go down last year," yeah. or I think there was those eight eight uh, murders of black men right last year yeah. uh, by 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 law enforcement office uh, law enforcement. If Southwest came out and said, or if anyone was defending Southwest, say, ah, you know what, eight planes went down, but those pilots were just some those bad apples. Bad pilots. Yeah. Like, wait a minute, like, like we there's a yeah. real issue here, yeah, totally. like, because it's so egregious, like, yeah. it's so wrong, yeah. it's so backwards, it's so again, you, you pilot is supposed to deliver you safely a yeah. direction, right? Like, our laws are supposed to be just. And care for yeah. right the pursuit of life, liberty, and happiness for all its citizens. Yeah. When the laws are unjust, enforced by, and we again from what we see, not all officers. Um, when we navigate that, then you're going to begin to say, well, "Wait a minute, this this can't can't be that way." Yeah, and so Christians, I think there some of us we have a hard time hearing the idea that maybe police reform needs to happen in certain ways, and it's a controversial thing for you know for us to say or talk about, but. We need to let there be reform wherever it brings more of God's justice. And that is okay. And that is good. And that might uproot some systems. It might uproot some perspectives. It might uproot some power in different ways. But that's, that's what we do as the saints. That's how, that's how we live. And so, again, like if you've been listening, that's an, we think that is a nuanced conversation. And yeah. we think you can't just lump everything in together and all these things. But it's... It, you know, it's a conversation we need to have. Right. And so there's there's expectations with any career, any job. And so I'm going to get real specific with you right now. So right. now you look across the country, yeah. there's these protests, and there's, there is uh, what some are labeling police brutality. Yeah. And you're watching it on videos um, where, right, people are getting pushed, shoved, shot at these type of things, rubber bullets, tear gassed. Just talk, because talk, that's obviously, but everyone, it's, it's something we can't not talk about because it's yeah. just so much in the, again, the kind of the public purview right now of how do, how do we address that? How do we look at that reality? Yeah, I mean, I don't think, I don't think it should, uh, I don't think it should be happening. <laughs> like, I... I, and I think that, again, we kind of, it's whatever side we want to be towards, that's the side where we're going to lean whichever direction, unfortunately, and only see things through that lens. And so I think sometimes we need to watch these videos, we need to see the truth and the reality of these videos, and we need to be against them, uh, where wrong and sin is abounding. And so I don't think uh, police brutality should happen in, during these uh a protest. Good. I think I under where maybe the tension is is I do understand police trying to protect buildings and businesses and these kinds of things. I do understand that, but uh, I think we have to open our eyes to a lot of uh, the police brutality happen happening. And even if it is just one bad apple, again, this is a situation where you can't have one bad apple. I used to be a teacher, and. I'm gonna be I'm gonna be maybe too vulnerable right now. As a teacher, when I had a kid that was really tough, the evil in my heart. This is the evil in my heart. This is why I got right. out of teaching. <laughs> Became a pastor. <laughs> yeah. The evil in my heart was, man. If I just 
if I just punch this kid or something, he might stop. And he might stop for the rest of his days because he knows a punch is going to come. Right. And there's probably, like, in my mind, like, truth to that or whatever. But that's not what Jesus has for us. Yeah. And that would not be okay. Right. And if teachers were doing that in mass, there would be a huge issue. That would be a big issue. And that would yeah. be a big deal. Yeah. And we'd need to stop it. Right. And... If you talk to teachers and you hear about the things their students do to them, there are some horrible things being done <laughs> right, to them sure. in all sorts of ways. And so, uh, you know, it's more con- the analogy breaks down in a lot of ways, uh, for sure. But I'm just saying we need to notice this. We need to see this. We need to look at it. And I think, I think a lot of times in the church we we look away at the police brutality that is clearly happening in a lot of ways. And the reason we look away is because we have brothers like Kevin. Who I don't think will ever do that. No, and absolutely not. And he, and mo- most, yeah, a significant, yeah. significant majority won't. Yeah, but that doesn't change that it's happening, right? Like, and I, here's what's hard for me though: some of it's happening, and they're not, they're not stopping each other from doing it. Oh, that's know? yeah, and that's something we got to talk about. That's too, a good point. You know, it's great. And point. Uh, listen, like you know, like like the three officers that that that. that well, two of them were on, actually, on Floyd as well as yeah, he was dying. Exactly. And then the other one that was watching. That's a problem, too. But they just got, did you hear they got charges today? Yeah, that. which which is good. I think that's just. Yeah. And so I think, yeah, I think that's, we need to look at it, church. We need to consider it. We need to call it out as evil. It is evil. Right. It's wrong. And so um, it's a hard issue to bring up because there's police officers I love, like Kevin and Zach, and uh, many more. But it's still something we need to talk about. Yeah, and, and that's and I think that's such a significant part of it. Of and, and we want to link arms with so many of our law enforcement brothers and sisters that are also decrying it, yeah. right? In mass numbers. Yeah. In the same way that you or I, like if if other pastors in our city, right, like yeah. our profession, if they were doing things that we were that were harming other human beings, right? Yeah. Like abuse and things like that, which are real in church and that's for another class another night um man if we didn't decry that like if we didn't step out in the midst of that and say like no like that this is this is absolutely wrong we see it we call it out and we try and fix it like again all of it is because of love because of a pursuit to be the like to love our neighbors to serve and bless and be the kingdom of god faithfully in the midst of of all of this and so i think man those things are real i I love what even andy said here just this idea definitely i think too with police specifically there's something in these situations that uh that's wrong in our hearts that we often wait for the full story to come out before uh mourning the death of a person which man i i absolutely agree with that and what's so interesting is you you see that was so many times when these videos come out about the, the murder of um, uh, and de- the deaths of these these black men is well let's wait and see like let, let's get the full story you know now generally the same folks that say that once that riot video co- you know what I mean the, the riot video or the brick goes through the window or whatever there's no wait for the story yeah. there right yeah. it's no this is what's happening it's yeah. clear-cut it's like wait wait a minute you yeah. know like and so again church we cannot be prone to that I think that's yeah. what we're trying to say is we need to be prone to seeking truth, like yeah. being present. And then in the midst of that, our first step always is towards the hurting, yeah. towards the broken, 
weeping, yeah. mourning, bearing burdens. Like this is the initial flinch that must be on the heart of the people of God. And so then you go, because you can weep, yeah. and then while you're weeping, you'll get more information. Yeah. But church, like the first step is weep. And yeah. so as even as you see these videos come out, weep. Like all of us should be like, okay, regardless of the reasons why tear gas, why, so the woman, the, the reporter that, that lost her eye, you right? Um, weep with that woman. Why? Because a woman only has one eye now, right? Like that's, that's an image bearer. And, yeah. and again, then the information can come. And it's okay, church, if our first step is weeping with those who weep, yeah. bearing each other's burden, love at the center. And then as we learn, you can, you can change. Like you can yeah. think different things. So yeah. yeah, we can, and there's a lot of the ways we can get into the police reform, and even Rand bringing up accountability is more important, and, and I agree. I think all that is, but I, uh, for time's sake, uh, and because we're, I think we're still both in process of learning what reforms are the best reforms that are needed and bring justice and all that thing. But uh, re reforms are needed, and uh, accountability at, at deeper levels is needed, and. Uh, and, and I think we need to view it this way yeah. as Christians. I think we need to be okay with that and and, and all these things. So um, let's let's do this. If I can yeah. kind of just uh, make some of as it's seven forty eight. We started at six. Um, we want to to move over the Zoom prayer meeting and and just a little bit. If we can wrap up with, let me. I want to do this. There, there's so much more we we know we need to talk about. Yeah. There's questions on here we want to come back and address. Yeah. We would love if you could even if you have other questions to send them to us because we want to address them next Wednesday. We back at six o'clock. Um, we're gonna talk through. I think like. Uh, one of the topics we'll kind of jump into next week is the dismissals that we keep hearing, you know, mm -hmm. so um, stuff about Black Lives Matter versus All Lives Matter. Mm -hmm. and, and we want to navigate that conversation. Different um, statistics. Statistics. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what about black on black crime? You yeah. often have these kind of these dismissals that are like, okay, but but this. And, yeah. and you know what I mean? And they're not unimportant. They're necessary conversations. So uh, we want to... Uh, Bryn, that's a great question. So where to send them? You can just post them here on the video would be probably the best. If, if it's a question where you don't feel comfortable posting it on here, um, just email it or direct message it to us. So you can just go to Redemption Church Flagstaff, send us a message, uh, or email me, Vince Garvey, at redemptionaz.com and ask us. So we're going to do... You know, there's so much here and, and, and some questions came in, but we want to come back and circle back to some of the Q&A next week. But I don't want to I don't want to wrap up tonight without just really briefly, because if if none of you check back in real briefly on a what we can do, yeah, like sure. what can you do now? And so um, here's the first one. I already kind of said it, but it's it's see and see the way we talk about how Jesus sees where he truly like looks at people, takes in people and their situations and truly sees what's going on because it's after seeing people that we see the compassion of Jesus and then the action of Jesus. Yeah. Um, Christians, we, we need to be a people that see the oppression, see the brokenness, see the pain that's existing and allow the Spirit of God to do the work in our hearts and then act. And so I think that first, the first thing, what can you do? See and lament. Yeah. And, and one of the things that Wayne brought up in the piece of this is when we can see and lament, when we can engage and begin to have this conversation, one of the biggest things that, that again, from Wayne, who will be with us next week, shared with us, was just, it'll, 
It's allowing our black brothers and sisters in this time. And he said, it helps us know that we're not crazy. Right? It helps. And he's just saying, like, we've felt this way, this reality for our entire lives. I think sometimes that it feels like when this conversation comes up, it's like, oh, it's just the media manipulating them. And they're walking around life. And they're like, no, I'm harassed more. I'm definitely harassed more than my white friends. And then we go, no, you're not. And that's not true. And the stats don't show that. And this, it, we're gaslighting them. We're making them feel crazy, right? That's, that's right. Yeah. I think something that I think you guys got to know too, all of my black friends uh, that I talk to, when I talk to about these situations, even when they tell me a story of harassment, they believe the best. They really try to see things from the policeman's perspective. And the reason that makes me cry is they're, they're living out love more powerfully than I know is capable personally. Like when they're being oppressed and harassed, they're still choosing to love. And so a lot of us need to, to listen especially well because they're, not only are they experiencing these things, but we're telling them they're crazy. And even in the midst of telling them they're crazy, so many of them are going, no, I kind of see what was going on here. And, and yet they're st- and in the midst of them being oppressed. And we need, to, we need to just notice that and applaud that and see the picture of Christ's love in the midst of that. Yeah, because what this does, and it's the most painful part of it, yeah. is to slow down because th- what's happened in our nation is now these things come up and they immediately become political. They immediately go into the realm of the mind around right and wrong and why this and why that. And, and again, we're here talking to our church, like redemption flagstaff. And, and if you're watching this, like slow down and embrace the fact that people you know People you would say you love. People in our city, neighbors you live by. Their story is that for their entire lives, they have not been able to move about this world the way that you have. And the fear that drives some of that, the anxiety, how many of this hate? Like, we, none of us want to be afraid. None of us want to have anxiety. And so we need to see that. And we need to lament that reality. Um, yeah, I, not, to, not to belabor the point, but, but, like, it's racist for us to go, you guys are all crazy. You guys are all off on this. You guys, you don't really experience that kind of harassment. It's yeah. not like, it's just the media's. You've been watching too much of this particular news outlet or whatever. And, church, that's, that's racist. Like, I think so. And, and, and we need to stop. We need to stop denying that. Now, yeah, I, there's not more that needs to be said about that. The next thing. Oh, yeah. sorry. Go no, ahead. I was yeah. just going Oh, you were? Yeah. yeah. So the next thing, um, you need to, add, we, we, and, and so yeah. that even stinks. I said you. We very much are in this desperate and constant need to educate ourselves. Yeah. Um, we like in this conversation, I'm sure shows we don't know everything. You know what I mean? Like some of this is we've read a ton and we've talked to a, talked to a lot of people, but we're also speaking from a lot of emotion ourselves in the midst of this. And we're sure there's things we need to learn, but that's true for all of us. And so educate yourself, 
please read a couple books I do want to um, to a couple books I do want to commend to you. The first one is a book called Free at Last by Carl Ellis. He's a friend of redemption. Um, he's our professor. He's one of our professors, yeah, yeah at yeah. seminary. Uh, Free at Last, wonderful book. We already talked about The Color of Compromise, which is the truth uh, about the American church's complicity in racism. That is by Jamar Tisby. Um, another one, that he's he, this isn't coming out till January, but I'll even just promote it for him. His next book is coming out in January of 21 called How to Fight Racism, Courageous Christianity and the Journey Towards Racial Justice. Uh, and then and then a book that, that Anthony put on here, Divided by Faith by Michael Emerson and Chris. Christian Smith, which I haven't personally read, but I've heard really great yeah, things about I mean, it as David well. David Platt so. loves the book, endorses it pretty wholeheartedly, and the things I, like I actually haven't read it either, but I've heard a lot of excerpts and things from it. And it's very well, we'll good. try and read it too. And then yeah. the last last book is for you parents that are trying to navigate. How do you teach this to your kids? I you know I got a five and two year old, and my boys. I brought them out to the protest in downtown Flagstaff yesterday, and just and we wanted to prep, especially our five year old. And so we're talking to our five-year-old about racism, and um, we just brought him to this book, which is God's Very Good Idea by Trillia Newbell. And it's just a short read, but it just talks about God's creation, his intention. And, um, and it's a beautiful opportunity to start this conversation with our kids in a way that just moves them towards the beautiful value of, of all creation, of all image bearers. Uh, and so, so that's kind of our that educate yourself piece we think is significant. Yeah, I think another thing is, is uh, we just need to make more friends. We need to make more friends with people of color and have true friendships. And Christians, white Christians, be especially careful because sometimes we tokenize our, our black and brown friends uh, in order to make ourselves feel better. But, but there is also an aspect of this where you can do it loving and kind and without tokenizing them and making it just you know a checklist on your how woke you are or how self-righteous right, you right, are. Right, right. Um, but you need to, to befriend people of color truly because I think a lot of people uh, are, um, I, I, we just we need to have true friendships in this area. That's all I'm going to say. Yeah, War, so Warren Williams, he's a pastor at Redemption Tempe. Yeah. He, he just said this, and I thought it was really great. He was talking about how you often hear the quote, church, Sunday church, Sunday at 10 a.m. is the most uh, la, like non-diverse moment yeah. in, like the, like in our country. Yeah. And, and he said that that is true, but he's like, honestly, though, what they're experiencing is Monday through Saturday yeah. is the where the, the greatest lack of diversity yeah. Because there's not really friendship going yeah. on. You know, the, the segregation significantly exists still to this day. And, and again, we're, we're the church. Like we, we're supposed to worship and be together and understand and see we're different parts of the body that serve together for, uh, for God's good work yeah. and grace. And so, yeah. Uh, and then we also need to befriend your racist uncle, you know, like <laughs> yeah. the, we, your racist grandpa, racist grandma, whoever it is, it's tough and it's okay to put boundaries up and, and do all these things, but uh, we need to befriend those people too. Their hearts are in a hard place. Uh, they have been deceived as well. If you're already having pushback on this, I would encourage you to read the book of Jonah and to study the book of Jonah at length. God sees sin uh, differently than we see sin sometimes and uh, he sees the effects of it and he has a heart and a compassion even for the Ninevites who are so evil in their actions and uh, and yet 
uh, he cares about them and he loves them. And so we need to look to be Jonah, as I said, yeah, and really good. Jesus is uh, in in all of these people's lives. Um, yeah, we need to call, and when you see it, you call it out. You yeah, know, you step into those moments. Yeah, um, and, and just and just be that. Yeah. Um, so when I say befriend, I mean we need to fr- be a friend to them in order to draw them closer to Christ, in order right. to draw them closer to truth, uh, because we think friendship is a huge way to do that. Yeah, so. yeah. Uh, lastly, we'll just say like, um, look, this is, I think we, we get these moments and there's these things that we need to do and we're like, well, what does that look like? I wanna make sure we, we it needs to be framed through a vision for long-term, right? This There's not this just like, hey, yeah. let me do this one thing, I'll get this one friend. The, the best thing we can do, church, um, is to think again, the long game, the long picture, that literally it's every part of your life. You know, it's everyone you hang out with, the conversations that you have, reframing and rethinking and educating, and it all comes together. And it's not gonna be this change over one moment that this gets fixed in our nation. Like yeah. this is, if it's gonna happen, it is going to be the continuous daily plotting of being about justice and yeah. about loving our neighbors. And so um, look, there's stuff on media. We'll probably talk media. Let's talk media next week. Yeah, there's a lot you know, more we want to talk about. Gosh, this is so a big much. conversation. And yeah. we, uh, we underestimated, I think, how big it was. So. Yeah. So I know we, we bit off a ton tonight. Um, and that was somewhat intentional. Fire hose it from the beginning. Please, again, post your questions if you're watching live or watching later. We want to learn. We like truly, like, we speak from a place of we've tried to be a. Th- like come from authority of what we are trying to invest in with our time. Um, but we know we, we still have much to learn as well. And, and again, this all truly comes from a place of love, a place of compassion. I deeply know the sin of my own heart and how long it has taken me to move some very oppressive and broken ideologies and had people say, Vince, like that's not the way, right? That's mm-hmm. not the way we think. That's not the way we live. And I, and I struggled with it initially. I struggled with it even past initially, mm-hmm. but the Lord was gracious and people were faithful to have the hard conversations with me in many different areas. So we are gonna address more of that next Wednesday. Again, Pastor Wayne Winter will be with us as well. Um, on week three, we're gonna more do a focus some kind of on again on our indigenous and native neighbors um there's a chance that things there just please be back with us next week we i think we'll probably delve into to dealing with some political issues that we see that we just now's the time there's no better time than now to really address stuff that we are struggling with and think our church needs to care about so yeah. yeah, so we're going to move over to that Zoom space here. I put the link. I'll put it again. Um, but we want to spend time praying through this stuff too. And um, I'll say this. I, I think there could be a temptation here to come to this Zoom link and pray our agendas. And almost what what is called a Jesus juke in the evangelical <laughs> world. I think uh, John Acuff coined that term. And uh, the idea is that... We're going to try to teach each other with how we pray right now. Um, I know you guys are all great and amazing and don't have that heart, of course. But let's just be on guard against that. Let's just truly pray for uh, the, the issues and, 
and what's going on and and it's okay if there's our perspectives and we want to pray about yeah. those things yeah um but let's make sure that's what that we're praying that we're petitioning that we're talking to god and asking him to move and bring more shalom into this area yeah and so so we'll we'll actually we're gonna go anthony's gonna go to his desk i'm gonna go to my desk we'll be on separate computers um i may kaylee might join in as well she's in the office with us tonight and and so we'll close this down we're gonna watch our computers and so you can log on to that now um, and then you'll be waiting for us when we get there. So in like two minutes, mm-hmm. we'll join you on the Zoom, uh, on the Zoom prayer time, and we'll just do that probably till right up till about eight thirty. We'll pray together, and it's you know in the midst of everything, entreating Jesus to help us, and this is the thing to do. So we'll see you in just a couple minutes. Thanks for joining us.